Our Father and God in heaven, Father, we thank you for sustaining us to this final workshop presentation. And Father, we thank thee for your mercy and grace. And Father, I ask you be with us. May your Holy Spirit be upon our minds and our hearts to teach us your word. Be with us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last time we left off with the crowd or the mob saying, crucify him, crucify him, when Pilate presented Jesus. And because Pilate succumbed to the popular majority, although he found Jesus faultless, he availed them and appeased the wishes of the popular demand of that, of that nation and instituted the orders for crucifixion for Jesus. And so too in the last days there will be a popular demand for a national Sunday law that the politicians will listen to the masses of the people that church and state will bribe and coerce and do all sorts of campaigning to get a Sunday law passed. Now what did Jesus say that his followers must do? Notice what the Bible says in Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 24. When you're there, please say amen. Matthew 16, verse 24. The Bible says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. So the Bible says that if any man follows Jesus, that they should deny himself and take up their cross. And now the 144,000, they follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Now, who collaborated to issue the decree to have Jesus crucified? Notice what the Bible says in Luke 23. Luke 23, verse 22. Luke 23, verse 22. The Bible says, And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him, I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Verse 23. And there were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And so, we see here a popular demand for Christ to be crucified. I want to read to you from early writings, page 175. The Son of God was delivered to the people to be crucified with shouts of triumph that led the dear Savior away. Great Controversy, page 635, Inspiration writes, With shouts of triumph, jeering, imprecation, throngs of evil men are about to rush upon their prey when, lo, a dense blackness deeper than the darkness of night falls upon the earth. So, we see here that when they say crucify him, crucify him, in the time of Christ, that they were jeering in triumph. And in the last days, those evil men, those that are against God's people, are also going to jeer in triumph, saying, kill God's people. Now, I want to read to you from Great Controversy, page 615, paragraph 2. As the Sabbath has become the special point of controversy throughout Christendom, and religious and secular authorities have combined to enforce the observance of the Sunday, the persistent refusal of a small minority to yield to the popular demand will make them objects of universal execration. It will be urged that the few who stand in opposition to an institution of the church and the law of the state ought not to be tolerated, that it is better for them to suffer than for whole nations to be thrown into confusion and lawlessness. This argument will appear conclusive, and the decree 
will finally be issued against those who hallow the Sabbath of the fourth commandment, denouncing them as deserving of the severest punishment and giving the people liberty after a certain time to put them to death. Romanism in the old world and apostate Protestantism in the new will pursue a similar course towards those who honor all the divine precepts. And so, we see here in the last days, just like Jesus, by popular demand, was condemned to be crucified, so too God's people in the last days, a national Sunday law will be passed, swelling ultimately to the people wanting a death decree to kill all of God's people. And so the crucifixion on the cross is nearing the death decree of what the crisis hour is for God's people. And what did those who opposed Christ do against him at the cross? Notice what the Bible says in Mark 15. Mark 15. Mark 15, verse 29. Mark 15, verse 29. And the Bible says in Mark 15, verse 29. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves of the scribes, He saved others himself, he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross, that he may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And so we see here that Jesus was being ridiculed as he was dying. I want to read to you from early writings, page 177, paragraph 1. The angels who hovered over the scene of Christ's crucifixion were moved to indignation as the rulers derided him and said, If he be the Son of God, let him deliver himself. They wished there to come to the rescue of Jesus and deliver him, but they were not suffered to do so. The object of his mission was not yet accomplished. And so, when the angels saw Jesus being ridiculed, they were so desperate to come to the aid of their divine commander-in-chief that was being ridiculed by wicked men. But they were held back because the mission of Jesus was not yet accomplished. Now what's going to happen with us in the last days that are part of this final generation? I'll read to you from Early Writings, page 272, paragraph 2. Inspiration writes about those that lived in the final hours of Earth's history, those that are 144,000. Soon after they had committed their earnest cry, the angels, in sympathy, desired to go to their deliverance. But a tall, commanding angel suffered them not. He said, The will of God is not yet fulfilled. They must drink of the cup. They must be baptized with the baptism. And so in the last days, angels of God will again want to go and to vindicate and to defend God's people that were being persecuted. But a commanding angel says, their mission is not yet finished yet. You see, there is a powerful mission that God's people will demonstrate in a period of persecution. What will God's people endure in the last days? Notice what the Bible says in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 9. Matthew 24, verse 9. The Bible says, Then shall they deliver you to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And just like Jesus was hated by all the Jewish nation at that time, and was being mocked and jeered, so too in the last days God's people will be afflicted. Some will be killed for the sake of Jesus. Why? As we said in our last presentation, the reason why Jesus died was because the Jewish leaders thought that Jesus' presence would destroy the Jewish temporal nation. And so in the last days, God's people will be blamed for the calamities of the earth, and the reason why God's people will be sought to be destroyed is to preserve the nations of this earth. And so, 
in early writings, page 283, Inspiration writes, It was an hour of fearful, terrible agony to the saints. Day and night they cried unto God for deliverance. To outward appearance there was no possibility of their escape. The wicked had already begun to triumph, crying out, Why doesn't your God deliver you out of your hands? Notice that's the same language of those that jeered Christ when He was crucified. If you are the true remnant church, why doesn't your God deliver you? Why are you being persecuted? Why don't you go up and save your lives? In Great Conference, page 630, paragraph 1, Yet to human sight it will appear that the people of God must soon seal their testimony with their blood as did martyrs before them. They themselves begin to fear that the Lord has left them to fall by the hand of their enemies. It is a time of fearful agony. Day and night they cry unto God for deliverance. The wicked exult and the jeering cry is heard, Where now is your faith? Why does not God deliver you out of, your, out of our hands if you are indeed His people? But the waiting ones remember Jesus dying upon Calvary's cross and the chief priests and rulers shouting in mockery, He saved others, He Himself He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him now come down from the cross and we will believe Him. Matthew 27, 42. Notice that the journey of the wicked men on God's final people it's similar to the jeering of those that were on the cross of Calvary. These are they that follow the Lamb wherever He goes. How did Jesus react when He was being jeered? Notice what the Bible says in Luke 23. Luke 23. Luke 23, verse 34. Luke 23, verse 34. And when you're there, please say amen. amen. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. I mean, imagine the picture. Jesus is stripped naked. He's being ridiculed. He's been beaten. He's been scourged. His disciples forsook him and fled. His own people, the Jewish nation that he sought to save, has now rejected him and, and called and, and instituted his crucifixion. And Jesus, with infinite mercy, says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. What wonderful mercy. What character was Jesus displaying? Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. The Bible says, Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. What infinite mercy that Christ gave during His dying hours, during immense trial and persecution. I want to read to you from Christ's Object Lessons, page 415, paragraph 5. The last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy is to be given to the world, is a revelation of His character of love. What's the last message? His character of love. Last message of mercy. The children of God are to manifest His glory in their own life and character. They are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. So, inspiration says that the last rays of merciful light is the last message of mercy to be given to the world. It's a revelation of His character of love. What does that light represent? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is God's glory? You remember in Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses asked, Show me thy glory. 
And God said that he will have his goodness pass before him. And Moses declared in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, that the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father in heaven are merciful. And do you know that when Christ was being persecuted at the cross, during Christ's dying hours at the cross, do you know that he was still a soul winner? Notice what the Bible says in Luke 23. Luke 23. Luke 23, verse 39. Luke 23, verse 39. And the Bible says in Luke 23, verse 39. And one of the malefactors who were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Verse 40, But the others answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Verse 41, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest unto thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus, in a period of crucifixion, won a thief to his kingdom. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, they convicted the thief to give his heart to Jesus. And notice about this thief. Notice what Desire of Ages, page 749, says. The thief. This man was not a hardened criminal. He had been led astray by evil associations, but he was less guilty than many of those who stood beside the cross reviling the Savior. He had seen and heard Jesus and had been convicted by his teaching, but he had been turned away from him by the priest and rulers. Let's stop there. We have some Bible workers in this room. Amen? You did an evangelistic series. You have that contact that's hungry. She, he or she is coming night after night after night. The testing truth is revealed about the Sabbath, the state of the dead. She is convicted. She knows this is the truth. But then she says, let me talk to my pastor about that. And when she or she talks to the pastor, she no longer comes to the meeting. And the Bible worker is discouraged. You see, the thief on the cross was in the same condition. The religious leaders dissuaded him to follow Jesus. Seeking to stifle conviction, he had plunged deeper and deeper into sin until he was arrested, tried as a criminal, and condemned to die on the cross. In the judgment hall and on the way to Calvary, he had been in company with Jesus. He had heard Pilate declare, I find no fault in him. He had marked his God-like bearing and his pitying forgiveness of his tormentors. On the cross, he sees that many great religionists shoot out the tongue with scorn and ridicule the Lord Jesus. He sees the wagging heads. He hears the unbridled speeches taken up by his companion in guilt. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Among the passerbys, he hears many defending Jesus. He hears them repeat his words and tell of his works. The conviction comes back to him that this is the Christ. Turning to his fellow criminal, he says, Does not thou fear God? fearing thou art in the same condemnation? You see, brothers and sisters, the thief on the cross accepted the message of truth at the 11th hour, near the closing of Christ's life. Symbolically, the 11th hour, not literally the 11th hour. And I believe the thief on the cross represents last day events, page 2, 12, paragraph 1, Thousands in the eleventh hour will see and acknowledge the truth. These conversions to truth will be made with a rapidity that will surprise the church. And God's name alone 
will be glorified. You see, those that fallen away from an evangelistic series, those contacts that you had, that were so receptive to the truth, they will see God's people being persecuted. They will see those that profess to be God's people, church and state saying, they are the ones that will bring salvation unto men. They will see them acting like demons and they will be doing all sorts of uncouth things to God's people, but God's people will say, forgive them, Father. They do not know what they're doing. And when the people sincere followers of God sees this, they'll say, wait a minute, these Seventh-day Adventists? CNN says they're enemies of the state. MSNBC says they're enemies of the state. My church pastor says they're bad people. They're responsible for the destruction of the cities. They're responsible for society falling apart. But they act like Jesus. I think you guys are wrong. And they will then follow in to the cause of truth. Amen. Who else did Christ win when he was being crucified? Notice what the Bible says in Luke 23. Luke 23. Verse 46. Luke 23, verse 46. Who else did Christ win when he was being crucified? The Bible says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I command my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. You see, in the last days, there's going to be a loud cry given by God's people. And that loud cry, we know if you study it, is the experience and the power and the message of righteousness by faith of the third angel's message in verity, not only in word, but in action. You see, actions cry louder than words. You see, when the people see that the Seventh-day Adventist movement, those that are remaining, that remnant, that are being persecuted, their homes taken away, sent to prison, ridiculed, mocked, beaten, some were killed, and the remaining, the, the 144,000, the final generation, remaining and hiding in the mountains and suffering all sorts of persecution, when the people see that they still have the Spirit, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing that last message of mercy, people will be convicted that, yes, they must have the Sabbath truth. I must stand with them. And a great multitude will come out of the fallen churches of Babylon and join the ranks of God's people. Amen. I want to read to you from Desire of Ages, page 770, paragraph 2. What had spoken? It was the centurion, the Roman soldier, divine patience of the Savior and his sudden death with the cry of victory upon his lips had impressed this heathen. In the bruised, broken body hanging upon the cross, the centurion recognized the form of the Son of God. He could not refrain from confessing his faith. Thus, again, evidence was given that our Redeemer was to see of the travail of his soul. Upon the very day of his death, Three men, differing widely from one another, had declared their faith, who commanded the Roman guard, and who bore the cross of the Savior, and who died upon the cross at His side. So Jesus, while He was dying, won three souls to the kingdom. Why? Did Jesus preach a sermon? No, He preached a sermon through how He reacted through persecution. His actions cried louder than words. I want to read to you from Maranatha, page 220, paragraph 3. God has His agents even among the rulers, and some of them will yet be converted to the truth. A few of God's agents will have power to bear down a great mass of evil. Thus the work will go until the third message has done its work, and at the loud cry of the third angel, 
these agents will have an opportunity to receive the truth and some of them will be converted and endure with the saints through the time of trouble. Friends, could it be that possibly someone that is a guard that suppose hypothetically you are in prison for keeping the Sabbath in a maximum de detention facility, that a guard there that sees your actions in the midst of persecution will be converted and join the ranks of the Seventh-day Adventist movement in the last days. You see, God is calling us to be glorified through our persecution. What did Jesus testify to Pilate when he was examined? Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 18. John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verse 35. Before Jesus died at the cross, he said something very profound. John chapter 18, verse 35, the Bible says, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me, and hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I would not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore and said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. God's truth will be manifested through the actions of God's people. And the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 16, My sheep hear my voice, and I shall bring one them into one fold and one shepherd and in the last moments of earth's history there will be a clear demarcation those that will side with God will be in God's remnant church and those that side with that of unrighteousness will join and cling with the fallen churches of Babylon and during this loud cry message not only will be people convicted by the theological implications and the truths, but by the character of God's people. You see, Great Controversy says that all the arguments have already been given. All the glow tracks have been passed. All the literature evangelists have sold all their books. All the Bible studies have been passed out. People now clearly know the issue of what is right and what is wrong, and the final demonstration that will urge people to that conviction to accept the message is the manifestation of the character of God in His people in a period of great persecution. But Christ at the cross suffered a most severe test. What did He suffer in the cross? Notice what the Bible says in Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. And the Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 45. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Will God's people endure a similar experience, similar emotion during that crisis hour? I'll read to you from volume 2 of the Testimonies, page 214, paragraph 2. This is of Jesus. He was oppressed by the powers of darkness. He had not one ray of light to brighten the future, and he was struggling with the power of Satan, who was declaring that he had Christ in his power, that he was superior in strength to the Son of God, that the Father had disowned his Son, and that he was no longer in the favor of God any more than himself. If he was indeed still in favor with God, why need he die? God could save him from death. So Jesus was feeling the separation from the Father. He did not know that His sacrifice was perfect enough, and so He felt that He was forsaken by the Father. Do God's people go through a similar emotion during the time of the great 
final great time of trouble. Notice that the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30, verse 6. Jeremiah 30, verse 6. And when you're there, please say amen. amen. Jeremiah 30, verse 6. Amen. The Bible says, As ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child, wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So God's people will go through a period that's called Jacob's time of trouble. What is this Jacob's time of trouble? I'll read to you from Great Converse, page 614, paragraph 1. This is the time when probation finally closes and the seven last plagues are falling. In that fearful time, the righteous must live in the sight of a holy God without an intercessor, with Christ no longer interceding on our behalf in the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. The intercession of sins is now over. God's people must stand without a mediator. There'll be no more forgiveness of sins. God's people must stand. But Jesus will still stand with them as a friend. But his mediation work is now over. Great Conversation, page 630, paragraph 1. What is this Jacob's time of trouble? Like Jacob, all are wrestling with God. Their countenances express their internal struggle, paleness, sits upon every face, yet they cease not their earnest intercession. You remember when Jacob was returning back to Canaan after he was spending decades in Mesopotamia at the house of Laban, his father-in-law. He decides to return back with Leah and Rachel, his wives, and, and he was going back home. Remember, Jacob ran away because he stole the birthright or cheated the birthright of his older brother Esau and Esau sought to kill Jacob and so Jacob decides to return home back to Canaan and Esau set up a band an army to try to destroy all of Jacob's family and so Jacob was praying by a brook in the evening and he was praying and his weight and guilt was upon his chest and he was not assured that he had his sins forgiven. He wasn't sure that his sins were completely blotted out. And so he was praying and interceding and he was wrestling with the angel. And although he felt the condemnation and the sins that he had in the past, he still did not let go of his hope of God. He clinged on to the angel saying, bless me. So too, we will try to bring to remembrance and see how we confess this sin or that sin. There is no mediator. Am I condemned? Has God forsaken me? But God's people in this Jacob time of trouble will not let go of God. They will say, Father, I still hold on to your promise even though I feel that I have been forsaken. Maranatha, page 273, paragraph 3. As Satan accuses the people of God on account of their sins, the Lord permits him to try them to the uttermost. Their confidence in God, their faith and firmness will be severely tested. As they review the past, their hopes sink, for in their whole lives they can see little good. They are fully conscious of their weakness and unworthiness. Satan endeavors to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless and the stain of their defilement will never be washed away. He hopes so to destroy their faith that they will yield to his temptation and turn from their allegiance to God. Have you in your past, even though you know that God has forgiven you, still feel guilty of what you did in the past? You see, Satan is going to magnify that feeling. He's going to say, see, God hasn't forgiven you. 
There's no more intercession in the sanctuary. The plagues are falling. Just give up. Just give up and enjoy life. Although the plagues are falling, just, just join the majority of the popular side. Less trouble for you. But those that are going through Jacob's time of trouble said, saying, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I am not going to let go of my Savior. Although I feel rejected, although I feel a separation, I will still cling close to God and have my hope in Him, even though my feelings and my emotions and my senses tell me otherwise. I will still hold on to the faith that God still loves me and will save me. What did Jesus do when he felt forsaken by the Father? Notice what the Bible says in Luke 23. Luke 23. Luke 23, verse 46. Luke 23, verse 46. The Bible says, When Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I command my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So notice Jesus, even though Jesus felt forsaken by the Father at the cross, Jesus, although his emotions told him otherwise, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. We must have that same thought process when we go to Jacob's time of trouble. I want to read to you from volume 2 of the Testimonies, page 210, paragraph 2. Faith and hope trembled in the expiring agonies of Christ because God had removed His assurance. He had therefore given His, son, his beloved Son approbation and acceptance. The Redeemer of the world then relied upon the evidences which had hereto strengthened Him, that His Father accepted His labors and was pleased with His work. In His dying agony, as He yields up His precious life, he has by faith alone to trust in Him whom it was ever been His joy to obey. He is not cheered with clear, bright rays of hope on the right hand nor the left. All is enshrouded in oppressive gloom. So, our faith alone will give us the joy to endure that persecution and that separation in that Jacob's time of trouble. I want to read to you from Great Controversy, page 621, paragraph 2. The season of distress, this is talking about the final generation. The season of distress and anguish before us will, will require a faith that can endure weariness, delay, and hunger. A faith that will not faint through severely tried. The period of probation is granted to all to prepare for that time. Jacob prevailed because he was preserving and determined. His victory is an evidence of the power of importunate prayer. All who will lay hold of God's promises as he did and be as earnest and persevering as he was will succeed as he succeeded. Those who are unwilling to deny self, to agonize before God, to pray long and earnestly for his blessing will not obtain it. Wrestling with God, how few know what it is. How few have ever had their souls drawn out after God with intensity of desire until every power is on the stretch. When waves of despair, which no language can express, sweep over the suppliant, how few cling with unyielding faith to the promises of God. Like Jacob's persistent prayer, those that will stand in that great time of trouble will be persistent in their prayer and faith to God. Their feelings will deceive them. Their emotions will deceive them. Their whole little reality will deceive them. But they still will have faith in God. But friends, I thank God that there's a difference between what Christ went through and what we as a final generation will go through. Christ had to die for our sins. But when the death decree happens, 
and God's people were, are commissioned by the whole world to be wiped out, what will happen? Notice what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince who standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. In the period of utter woe, in the period where all seems lost, in the period where it seems that God's people will be wiped out of all existence, Michael, Christ Jesus, will come in the clouds of glory to deliver his people from destruction. Early writings, page 15, paragraph 1. The 144,000 were all sealed and perfectly united. On their foreheads was written, God, New Jerusalem, and a glorious star containing Jesus' new name. At our happy, holy state, the wicked were enraged and should rush violently up to lay hands on us to thrust us into prison when we would stretch forth the hand in the name of the Lord and they would fall helpless to the ground. Then it was that the synagogue of Satan knew that God had loved us, who could wash one another's feet and salute the brethren with a holy kiss, and they worshipped at our feet. And as the saints left the cities and villages, they were pursued by the wicked. This is early writings, page 284, paragraph 2. Who sought to slay them, but the swords that were raised to kill God's people broke and fell as powerless as a straw. Angels of God shrouded the saints as they cried day and night for deliverance. Their cry came up before the Lord. It is at midnight that God manifests his power for the deliverance of his people. The sun appears shining in its strength. Signs and wonders follow in quick succession. The wicked look with terror and amazement upon the scene, while the righteous behold the solemn joy, the tokens of their deliverance. Everything in nature seems turned out of its course. The stream ceases to flow. Dark, heavy clouds come up and clash against each other. In the midst of the angry heavens is one clear space of indescribable glory. Whence comes the voice of God, like the sound of many waters, saying, It is done. Friends, the crisis hour is fearful. But seeing that Jesus has went through for us, in fact, our final text, notice what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. One of my favorite texts. The Bible says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endure the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now look at this. We look to Jesus, who's the author. He wrote already the final events that we're going through. He has already given us foreknowledge of what we're going to go through in the crisis hour. Why is the author? Because he went through the persecution at the cross. He wrote the script already, so all we have to do is follow the script and follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And He is the finisher. He will finish our faith. Why is He going to finish our faith? Because He already wrote the end conclusion. We, all we need to do is follow the script that He has already given us. Who for the joy that was set before Him, it was His joy that was being reunited with the redeemed that allowed Him to endure the cross, despising the shame. 
Likewise, it will be our joy to be with Jesus that allow us to endure our cross of persecution. Our joy in being with Jesus to the ceaseless ages of eternity will allow us to endure the shame of the time of trouble. And he was set down in the right hand of the throne of God. And Jesus promises in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. We will be sitting in the throne of Jesus for overcoming the time of trouble. Final statement, Great Controversy, page 633, paragraph 1. The precious Savior will send help just when we need it. The way to heaven is consecrated by His footprints. Every thorn that wounds our feet has wounded His. Every cross that we are called to bear, He has borne before us. The Lord permits conflicts to prepare the soul for peace. The time of trouble is a fearful ordeal for God's people, but it is the time for every true believer to look up and by faith we may see the bow of promise encircling Him. The way to the time of trouble has already been paved for us. The straight path in the midst of persecution has already been constructed through the process of what Christ has done for us on Calvary. The step-by-step -step moments of what Christ endured during the time, you see, just like Christ had all his disciples forsaken and fled, just like Christ had his own people forsake him, so too in the last days, many of God's people will be shaken out and join the ranks of the opposition and betray God's people. And just like the Roman authority and Caiaphas, the high priest, the church and state power in the Jewish economy, and during that time, collaborated to kill Jesus, so too in the last days, church and state will unite to persecute God's people. So too, in the days of Christ, Christ was placed in front of tribunals and courts. So too, in the last days, God's people will be placed in front of tribunals and courts. So too, in the time of Christ, when the crowd and the mob said, crucify him, crucify him. So too, in the last days, a popular demand will be given and issued, and the politicians will succumb to that popular demand for a Sunday law that will lead to persecution and ultimately a death decree to God's people. So too at the cross, Christ said, Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. So too in the last days, God's people are going to say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So too in the time of Christ, when Christ had that spirit of forgiveness, He was a soul winner, that Simon the Cyrenian, that the thief on the cross, that the Roman centurion, all were converted to the kingdom. So in the last days, when God's people say, forgive them, Father, they do not know what they're doing, when they live out the righteousness by faith message, so too many of the fallen churches of Babylon, politicians and soldiers, and those sincere seekers of truth will join God's church. So too, when Christ said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? So too, in the last days, God's people are going to say, Father, I do not see your presence. I feel separated. But so too, Jesus, in the, even in the midst of that separation, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So too, the final generation will say, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. You see, Jesus has paved the road for us already. He has already given us the path to eternity. Will we bear up our cross and follow the Lamb wherever He goes? Will we follow our Savior? Will we follow Him everywhere He goes? The path has already been laid for us. The path is clear. The question is, will we trust God 
Will we love Him with all our mind, heart, and deed? Will our love endure to the end by the divine power of God so that we can, through this experience, be reunited with Him in the ceaseless ages of eternity? You see, inspiration says that once the 144,000, all of God's people, they, they, they make it to heaven and, and they're given crowns and many crowns and, and jewels in their crowns. And you know what they do with their crowns? They toss them to the feet of Jesus. You see, when they toss it to the feet of Jesus, it's sort of like a graduation when we throw our caps in the air. See, we passed the final exam. We've graduated in our phase of the school of Christ, in the school of Christ. And when the 144,000 and those that were in the time of trouble, when they try to remember all the things that they went through, they can't even remember. And they say, heaven is cheap enough. Friends, will you be willing to trust God through the crisis hour? Will you be willing to follow his lead, to follow the lamb wherever he goes? If it's your desire today to say, Father, I see the road as a difficult path, but I know that you're all powerful, that all the power and the omnipotence of heaven is there on my behalf for my salvation. And if it's your desire to say, Father, today help me step by step to prepare for that crisis hour. Help me and prepare me and fit me to be part of that final generation to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. If that's your desire, I simply ask that we kneel and ask God for that experience. Oh, Father and God in heaven, Father, we thank Thee for Your mercy and grace. We are kneeling because we're so weak, we're so feeble, all the trials that we do, we engage in our everyday lives are so difficult for us. But Father, we know that you have permitted these trials to train us to be fitted for that great work that we have a little time to do, which is to reflect the lo lovely image of Jesus. And so Father, as we're kneeling, we ask for that experience, that desire, that persistence to follow Jesus wherever he goes be it through the glorious successes of soul winning campaigns, be it through mission trips, be it through full-time ministry, or be it through that final great time of trouble. Father, help us to have the joy and the faith to endure all things. Help us to remember that when we endure our, tri our trials, that your son endured that much more on our behalf that he had all the weight of the sins of the world upon his chest. Oh, Father, what agony that was. And help us to remember that all our trials were nothing to that of Jesus. And Father, we thank thee that since Jesus has gained the victory for us, that we can now go boldly to his throne of grace in our time of need to get help from him. And so, Father, we ask for help. We ask for the help of Jesus to stand in this crisis hour that's soon to come. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, and God, in Christ's name, amen.